Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast with executive coach and best-selling author, Denise Renee Green. Denise fills each episode with humor, compassion, knowledge, and pragmatism to help you transform your life. Listen in and learn how you can tame your brain, lower your stress, and become the person you were born to be. Hello, my friends. Welcome to the Work-Life Brilliance Podcast. Thank you for joining me. This podcast is going to be about two words, hope and wish. And it was inspired by a conversation I had last week with my colleague as we were reviewing our um, new website that just launched this week and a tool that I made for my new online program. It is a language upgrade tool. So if you have listened to this podcast in the past, you know I pay a lot of attention to words, both the words we speak and the words we don't speak, but we think, because words have tremendous power. And I have said this before, but there is a reason they call it spelling. Words have magic. They affect not only our emotional state, but then they affect the actions that we take, which affects our results in all areas of life. So it doesn't matter if you think them or you speak them. They are shaping the results in your life, and they are shaping your health. So this tool I made, it's one page. It's on my refrigerator. And it has two columns. On the left side are common things we say to ourselves or think to ourselves that um, I think of as soul-sucking, potential-busting language. And on the right side is suggested upgrades to all of those phrases that you can, you don't have to remember them because the tool just shows you, hey, think this instead. And it's amazing what happens when you replace the thought you did have or the words you were saying with something else. So um, let me give you an example. So you won't be surprised to find on the left-hand side is the word should. Y'all know I am the should police because when you say should, it's signaling that you're either feeling guilty about not doing something yourself or resentment because somebody else should be doing something different than they are doing. And guilt and resentment are completely toxic emotions, toxic to you and toxic to your relationships and toxic to your results. So I suggest that instead of saying I should, you say I will or I won't. Simple as that. Another one is, instead of saying, I'm overwhelmed, which just backs your brain into a corner. Your brain just gets so confused and full of dread when you say, I'm overwhelmed. Instead, you can say, what is the best use of my time right now? Aha. Now your brain is outside of that corner and it is thinking. It is finding possibilities. Another one is, I'm confused. I don't know how to do it. And instead of thinking those things, you can think, how can I learn about it? Or you can just simply say, I'm figuring it out. I'm in the process. I'm supposed to be in this place. I am figuring it out. And there are lots of others. But I want to talk today about the words hope and wish because they're not obviously bad, but they're still bad. They're like sneaky bad. They seem harmless. And in some contexts, they are. So... Let's talk about hope first. 
The definition of hope is it is a feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Okay, in some contexts, the word hope is just fine. Uh, like, I hope you have a great day. I hope all's well. Not very toxic. But when we hope with ourselves, like uh, when I was a child, I always hoped I would get an A. I hope I make friends. Uh, I'll hear my daughter say, Mom, do I have any friend going with me to this camp? She used to always say, I hope I make a friend. I hope there's somebody nice there. This year she said, oh, cool, I'll just make new friends. <laughs> like, yes, <laughs> there you go. Uh, and in our adulthood, we often say things like, I hope I don't screw up that presentation. Um, I hope they like me. I hope I get a good review from my boss. I hope my kids have cleaned their room. Hope, 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 hope. Then we either get what we hope for and feel relief, if we allow ourselves to even feel relief. Maybe we even let ourselves feel a little satisfied, like we savor a little bit of the thing we got. But usually we just keep going and hope for the next thing. And if we don't get it, we feel let down. And possibly those nasty emotions, guilt and resentment. Guilt for not getting the promotion, and now we have to go home and tell our spouse we can't take that vacation after all. Or resentment because we know we deserved it, but the boss ruined it for us. So in the language upgrade tool, I suggest that you upgrade hope to what will be, will be. Or in the present tense, it is what it is. Because hope does not make things happen. Hoping for the best does not produce the best. I'm thinking about when my car's check engine light came on and my mom said, hope for the best. I actually think she said, think good thoughts, but same thing, hope for the best. And I thought, well, it is what it is. <laughs> I just want to know the truth. So I hit the button that did the little diagnostic and it did look like everything was fine and it was just the light itself that was faulty. So that turned out well, but if it had been something more serious, I would have wanted to know the truth. Because I suggest that instead of hoping, we accept reality as it is and then we take action to make reality what you want it to be. If you hope that last gallon of gas is going to get you 50 miles, guess what's going to happen to you? But if you accept reality for what it is, you're going to go to a gas station and you're going to have a much better day. But let's talk about health. Oh man, we say hope all the time when it comes to health. When anybody says to me, hey, I hope your doctor's appointment goes well, I just say, I hope I get the truth. If I have a mystery ailment, which... I do right now. It happens to us all, all the time. Um, my feet hurt, and they haven't figured out why. So finally, I'm going to a specialist next week, and I hope for the truth. I hope he figures it out. I remember one time, um, all the women out there, you, you can relate to this. Mammograms are so frustrating because they are often unclear, and we get a lot of false positives. And it's scary, right? During that time between the false positive, and then the recheck and all that, um, it is so easy to get bogged down in hope, hoping that we don't have cancer. What I try and do is just be present and know that it's the truth that I'm seeking. 
In fact, I once <clears throat> had a terrible experience in a doctor's office where I was getting an exam and I knew I had a large lump. I had a large mass and it was growing pretty quickly. And I had a nurse practitioner who was um, the main person I was seeing and she literally said out loud to the nurse next to me that it presented like cancer. Like, who does that? Who says that in front of a patient? And then that nurse freaked out and thought, I can't believe you just did that. And she ran and got another doctor who came in, examined me, and said, this does not present like cancer. Like, well, I could have sat there and just hoped that the doctor was right and the nurse practitioner was wrong, but I just wanted the truth. So I called my very logical friend in the meantime while I was waiting for weeks and weeks of an appointment. I called her that same day that this happened. And she didn't say, oh, I hope it works out for you. She said, tell me your symptoms. She loves to do research. Tell me your symptoms. So I told her. She did research. She talked to another doctor friend. And she called me up. And she says, you don't have cancer. And here's why. And she was very factual. <laughs> so that action I took, and oh, it turned out she was exactly right. It took them three weeks to confirm that she was exactly right. But that action of not hoping but seeking the truth led me to talk to somebody who could help, even though she wasn't a medical practitioner, and it gave me some peace while I waited. Right now, my dog, he, he's coming out from a really bad, really bad illness. Um, his face just swelled up. He couldn't open his mouth. He couldn't see out of one eye, and this happened three months ago. Nobody knows. We have gone to about five different vets. Finally, I checked into uh, a vet that's quite a ways away, but has the best equipment, really great doctors, and he looked really bad. And the guy behind the desk said, oh my gosh, you must be at your wit's end. I said, I just hope this place is the one that gives me the truth, hoping for the truth. And he says, well, you're in the right place, and 99% of the time there's an answer. And I thought, you know... That's a really good response because sometimes you don't get the answer. I got to tell you, when I was really sick, by the way, do the dog's doing so much better. He's responding to antibiotics. We still don't know why he got sick, but he's responding. So some kind of mystery infection. Uh, but I remember when I was really, really sick and for months and months and many blood tests, they could not figure it out. Finally, one more blood test. Doctor says, okay, sit down. I have some news. You have Lyme disease. I'm so sorry. Meanwhile, I'm giddy. I'm like, <laughs> clearly, I didn't really know all the ins and outs of Lyme disease, but I was just so excited that it had a name. So the truth lets you take action. So instead of hoping for something to be something it's not, do all you can to learn what the reality is and then take action. And when it comes to the future, Instead of hoping, decide what you want and commit to getting it. So that takes me to the second upgrade of hope. When you notice you're saying hope about the future, say, I know or I believe. For example, I could say, I hope I can retire on the beach in California. But unless I believe it and envision it and take action to make that happen, it is not going to magically manifest. I can say that I want to create a business that gives me freedom and is serving 
hundreds of thousands of people, but I have to believe that's possible and will that into action with work. And here's something I suggest you never, ever hope for, and that is smooth sailing. Never hope to not fail. Never hope that you will never see an obstacle, because that kind of hope makes us quit. Soon as things get rocky, we say, oh, this is too hard. We have to be willing to fail, expect to fail, and learn from those failures. Just to, we have to expect that reality is going to be bumpy, and we have the capacity to get through it. Then when things do get rocky, we won't quit. We won't say, this is too hard, and give up. So instead of hoping, believe in something with all your heart. Believe that you will face obstacles and overcome them with problem solving and actions. Instead of hoping that my daughter will get into a good high school, which we have to work at here in Oakland, California, I believe that she will get into the school that's best for her, and I will support her in whatever way I can. Instead of hoping that I never get hit by a car again, I will believe that I am in charge of my safety, and I will assume that there could always be someone out there not paying attention on the road. And instead of reliving that day and harboring emotions that will give me PTSD and other nasty emotions, I will believe that I am stronger and a more powerful person because of that incident. And instead of hoping that our democracy and our constitutional separation of powers remains intact, I'm going to speak out. I'm going to vote. I'm going to con contribute money. And eventually I will look into retiring in Portugal or Mexico. It's just, just how it is. Hope is not a strategy. Vince Lombardi, I think, is... Um, thought to have said, hope is not a strategy, fear is not an option. So he was talking about football, of course. And fear is normal. Its purpose is to keep us safe, but our brain is very over, overdoing it with fear. And if you want to win the game, it is not the emotion you want to take on the field. And I'm talking game of life, too. You want to believe you will win, not because you showed up, but because you prepared, you practice. You took action to get stronger, smarter. You watched the reels. You learned from your mistakes. And then you bring an authentic confidence, not hope. So this goes for sports, but it also goes for that big presentation you have to do or that difficult conversation you need to have. Now I want to talk about the other word, wish. I think that this one is actually sneakier and more damaging than hope. Again, some contexts are fine. If I wish you a Merry Christmas or I wish you a happy birthday, no problem with that. I'm talking about the wishing that accompanies feelings of not enough, feelings of scarcity, of resentment, of guilt. So the dictionary definition is a desire or hope for something that cannot or probably will not happen. I just started laughing when I saw that. Talk about scarcity thinking. Even the dictionary has a scarcity definition of the word wish. So how powerful is that? It is the wimpiest thing to wish that something can happen when your brain is thinking, oh, well, that probably won't happen. You can wish you're going to win the lottery, and that's probably not going to happen. So let's talk about what to do instead. So this got me thinking about the laws of 
biology, neurobiology, and quantum physics, and it led me back to the amazing teachings of Dr. Wayne Dyer in his Power of Intention book, and Dr. David Hawkins, the author of crazy powerful books, Power Versus Force and Letting Go. So the law of the brain is that what we pay attention to grows. If we pay attention to scarcity, we're going to have more of it. It's just brain physics. We develop more neural pathways for the things we pay attention to. And our language affects our brain. So which person is going to be the better public speaker? Someone who says, I wish I was better at public speaking. Or someone who says, I know I have it in me to be an effective speaker. Someone who constantly envisions themselves mumbling, freezing, falling off the stage. I literally saw somebody fall off the stage. Or someone who envisions themselves smiling, speaking conversationally and authentically, engaging with the audience. You know, you know who's going to be better. True freedom is not about getting what you wish for. True freedom is about having peace. You're occasionally going to mess up in a presentation. You're going to get sick. You're going to lose loved ones, and you're going to have unpredictable challenges. You get to choose. Will you throw hope and wishing at those things, or will you accept them as they are and choose what you believe? You can see people's mindsets when they plan a funeral and you attend a funeral. You can see whether the event is filled and fueled by grief and anger and confusion and doubt, or whether it's fueled by love and acceptance. And of course, there's sadness at both occasions, but you get to choose what do you bring to that event that we're all inevitable to um, attend at some point as the host, the guest of honor, I should say. So you can definitely get the things you want while having scarcity thoughts, like I don't have enough, I wish I had a Tesla, or I'm not good enough. You can get them, but once you get those things, you will only wish for more because of your scarcity thinking. You will never feel like you have enough. You will still have those thoughts of scarcity because that is what you are growing. No matter how much you accumulate, you will not feel free. You will not feel satisfied. So instead of wishing, again, as I suggested with hope, I recommend you believe that you know that you can have what you wish for and then feel the emotions that you would feel once you have that thing. Make it real. So I have this superpower of being able to find things, and my secret is, I believe that I will. I believe it's there. I don't say I wish I could remember where I put my keys. I say, I know my keys are here somewhere. And then my brain engages, and I find them. So you know when something is true, when you believe it. When you believe, you ask your brain better questions. Instead of, I wish I had a million dollars, you can say, I believe, I know that I have the ability to make a million dollars. And then your brain starts thinking, who do I know that went from my situation to millionaire? What did they do? What could I do? Instead of, I really wish I had, had the courage to start a business, you could say, I know 
I believe I have the capability to start a business. And then your brain starts thinking things like, what would that business do? What would I sell? What baby step can I take toward making that true? Next thing you know, you're Googling about business plans, buying a book about side hustles. You get to work. So scarcity thinking, just wishing, leaves us feeling empty and unmotivated. We compare ourselves to others who've done what seems impossible for us. We say, I wish I could be more like them. Or even worse, why can't I be like them? When instead we can ask, what would it take for me to be like that? They have no superhuman powers, but they believed it was possible. They felt that it was possible, and they acted in ways that not only made it possible, but real. So the next time you fear for your future, I want you to take a deep breath. Notice what you are saying to yourselves and what feelings that conjures in you. Things like, I wish I had a loving relationship. I wish I could lose weight. I wish I could get that promotion. I wish I had my own business. Notice what you're putting out in the universe. If you put confusion and lack and scarcity out that, it will match you with more of that. So instead, decide what you actually want, believe you can get it, and take a baby step. If I had a hope, it would be this, that you seek truth and look under every rock until you find it, and that you decide what you want, you believe that you can have it, and you take action until you get it. And I hope, you see how, you, how I did that? that you decide to feel emotions like confidence, gratitude, and love for the life you have and the life you are creating. So as I started, I said this program, this tool um, was available online. Actually, I have this product now where it has all of my favorite tools, the steer model, how to change, relationships, how to say no. They're all in one online product that you can take on your own time from anywhere, as long as you have an online connection. So I am super excited about it. And hopefully by the time, hopefully, notice how I said that, um, soon, like in the next month, uh, but it might already be out by the time you listen to this call, we will have another program on overwhelm. And you can also apply to the Work-Life Brilliance Academy. And that is all at the website work-lifebrilliance.com. So work-lifebrilliance.com. And I just want to say thank you for the reviews that you've already given me. I finally read some. I was kind of avoidant. Um, but I got a little teary when I read them because when I read that people were finding these podcasts valuable and that I was inspiring them to make changes, I was overcome with emotion. I don't do this for ego, folks. I do it on purpose. My purpose is to use my strengths, my experiences, to help others improve their lives and to grow personally as a human being into the best, best version of myself while having a ton of fun doing it. So thank you for listening and taking action and helping me fulfill my purpose. I hope you have a great day. And I know that talking with you and creating this podcast first thing in the morning has been instrumental in my having a fantastic day. 
So thank you for spending this time with me, and I am sending you love and light, and I know that you're going to have a great day today because you are going to think it, feel it, will it into being a great day. All right. Lots of love. Thanks for listening to Work-Life Brilliance. If you want to be coached by Denise, join her in the Work-Life Brilliance Academy, where wholehearted humans are becoming the best version of themselves. Accepting applications now at wlbacademy.com.